John chapter 14, we are talking about big faith. Big faith. We don't want small faith. Amen. We know what Jesus said. He said, if you have faith like a mustard seed, right, you can do something great. But God wants people to grow their faith. God wants people to apply their faith. Faith is like a muscle. How many of you in here have muscles? Every hand goes up. It doesn't matter. I could have Camden in here, and he has muscles. No problem. But muscles can grow. Muscles can develop. Muscles can be stronger. And so we can have muscles in our bodies, and every person in here can have muscles to a greater or lesser degree, depending on the development that they allow to take place, the growth that they allow to to be formed within them. But here's how muscles grow. Muscles grow by pressure that comes against them. Muscles grow the greatest when you can't do it anymore. In weightlifting, they have a term called uh, being pushed to failure. When you work out, you get your greatest workout. When you go to, you can't go anymore. What happens when you work out is your muscles are being stretched and being torn and being ripped apart. They're literally being shredded. You're thinking, how in the world do, do muscles grow if you're just, you know, uh, constantly tearing them down and breaking them apart? How are my muscles growing? But your muscles grow in the recovery stage. Recovery is actually the most important part of weightlifting. When you're in the gym, you are trying to shred it and tear it up as much as possible because when it grows back, it grows stronger. There's more added to it. Faith operates like a muscle, and you can have it. But the question is not whether or not you have it. The question is, are you growing it? Now, here's the thing. Look at John chapter 14, verse 12. I love this verse. I love this passage. In John 14, verse 12, Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. The works that I will do, the works that I have done, the works that have been taking place. Let me tell you where Jesus is at right now. John chapter 14, 15, and 16 is his last conversation with his disciples. This is what took place on the Last Supper. The breaking of bread and the drinking of the wine and, and him identifying, uh, you know, uh, it, to go do what you have decided to do, Judas, and he knows these are his last words. How many of you know when you're down to your last words, you know you're getting ready to go or depart, you're saying what's most important. You're not just talking, you're not just, you know, talking about the wind. You're not just talking about the weather. You're talking about what's important. What's the last thing I need to get across? What's the most important thing I can talk about? And so, Jesus is right on the verge. This is the night before he's betrayed. In three days, he's dying. He's leaving. And he says, most assuredly, 
Assuredly, he's assuring us. I say to you, he who what? Believes in me will do greater works than I have done. Now that verse boggles our mind. That just, that drives us crazy. The works, we'll do greater works than Jesus? Jesus did it all. Cast out demons. Turned water into wine. Walked on water. Commanded storms to stop and cease. Raised the dead. Eyes opened, ears opened, leprosy was healed. I mean, there was no limit to what Jesus did. No limit. There's nothing that he, when he come, came up and faced it, he didn't have to go pray about it. He didn't have to go, man, I, I got to go away for a little bit. No, he just started talking to stuff. You got to change. You got to change. You got to change. You got to be different. You got to go. You got to be cast out. You have to depart. I mean, he's just not letting it. Nothing is dominating Jesus' life. And greater works? Well, he's talking about greater in two different forms. He's not talking about greater in the miraculous. There's two things. Greater. Number one, when I give my spirit to you, there will be more people doing what I have been doing. Greater in number. Greater in increase. And then the church is reigning. The church is now empowered to do what Jesus did. Jesus, at the end of his life, watch this, was not looking at the end of something. He was looking at the beginning of something. Jesus, at the end of his life, three days removed from going to the cross and suffering more than any person has ever suffered and dying for all of mankind is not thinking about the end of something. He's thinking about what this is going to catapult and bring for the kingdom of God. He's not looking at the end of his life. He's looking at the beginning of church domination on the earth. What I've been doing for the last three and a half years you will be empowered to do. Many of you, not just one person. See, Jesus was, was limited in the fact that he was flesh like all of us, couldn't be everywhere at one time. But now we can have the church all over the place, everywhere. And so now Jesus is saying the works will be greater because what you've been doing, what I've been doing by myself now the church as a whole will be empowered to do. You won't just be tagging along and watching me do all these things anymore. You'll be empowered to go do them yourself. So the end of my life is actually the beginning of something. When I go to the Father and I go, bye-bye, I'm empowering you now to do. But look at the qualifier. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes believing is the only qualifier you need that is necessary to do the works that jesus did believe do we have any believers here today do we have anyone that wants to stand and believe what is belief faith is your belief system 
Bottom line, Jesus is saying here, point number one, you will not see greater until you position yourself to believe greater. Jesus struggled with one thing. We just listed off all the things that he dominated, all the things he controlled. But Jesus struggled with one thing, the mind. People's minds. He could not change people's thought processes. He could not change how people perceived something. That's why he always had to say, if you have ears to hear, if you have eyes to see. That's why his first message that he comes on earth preaching in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17 is, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. What does repent mean? We've always thought repent means come down to the altar and ask God to forgive you of your sins and then turn around. And, and what, what have we always said? It, to turn a 180? This is sin. I've been going towards sin. To repent is to put my back towards sin and go the other direction. But let me tell you where repent actually takes place. Repentance is not an event. It's a daily lifestyle. Repentance isn't something you come down and you write in your front of your Bible and say, this was the day I repented and made Jesus. It's not just that. We have to repent every day because the word repent literally means, literally is translated, change your thinking. He said, repent because the kingdom of God is coming. Change your mind, change your thinking, because I'm about to bring something that's going to require a different mindset, a different mentality, a different way of thinking, a different way of perceiving things, a different way of approaching life. you got to change the way you think before you change the way you live. And so Jesus could not get people there. He said, you got to have ears to hear. you got to have eyes to see. He could not change that for people. That was their responsibility. Repentance is our responsibility. You've got to come with a repentance mentality. Lord, change my thinking. What I hear today, let it change the way I think about it. What I read in your word today, let it change my mind. Let it change my thinking. Because unless I change the way I think, I cannot change the way I live. Most of us are not experiencing greater because we've never positioned ourselves to think greater. We've never positioned ourselves to think bigger than what we're living and what we see. And this requires faith. Keep going there to verse 13. John chapter 14, verse 13. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, he started verse 12 saying, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me. If you want to grow your faith, you have to remind yourself of God's faithfulness. 
It's hard for you to believe in someone you don't know a lot about them. Faith has to be built up. Faith has got to be, it has to be reminded of something. If I'm going to walk in faith in this thing, I have to be reminded that God is faithful. He who promised is faithful to bring to pass. His word will not return void. It will accomplish that which it is sent to do. Amen. You've got to get in God's word and you've got to give yourself something to put faith on. Give yourself something to put faith in. So right here he says, look, I told you to believe. And if you believe, you'll do greater works. God needs us to believe. Because we won't do greater until we believe for greater. But then Jesus takes the next two verses, 13 and 14, and says, and by the way, in case you're struggling with this whole faith thing, uh, I can do whatever you ask me to do. I can get it done. You will have whatever you ask for in my name. What's he doing? I'm faithful. I'm faithful. You can place your faith and you can place your trust in me. Whatever you ask of me, it's going to come to pass. Whatever you're believing me for, if you will push yourself to believe for greater, you'll find yourself living greater. He's saying the best is yet to come. You've, You've seen great. You've seen something awesome. You've seen something great. I've been doing all kinds of miracles. I've been doing all kinds of signs and wonders. I've been going around doing all these great things. But now I need you to believe for something even greater than that. I want to show you something even greater than that. I want to show you something greater than one person doing it. I want to show you many people doing it. Many people filled with the spirit that I'm filled with. Because I go to the Father. See, the disciples are thinking, Great, he's going to the Father, it's over. And Jesus is saying, because I go to the Father, it's just beginning. We're just getting started. (laughs) They're all sad every time Jesus brings up. You know, they're telling him, hey, stop talking that crazy stuff. I don't want to hear about you dying on the cross. I don't want to hear about you being persecuted and beaten. I don't want to hear about people uh, forsaking you. And, and, you know, got one crazy guy says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never run away. Everyone else may go, but I'm going to stay right next to you. And he's the one that denies him three times. They don't want to hear that kind of talk because they're thinking the end. They're thinking it's over. And when Jesus was on that cross and he said, it is finished, he said, my work is complete. Now they can go do it. When he said it is finished, he was really just saying, it's just getting started. The best is yet to come. You ain't seen nothing yet. So look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. There's a word in that statement, the best is yet to come, that always keeps us reaching for more. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We don't like that word yet. We would like to change the best is yet to come. We want to change it to the best has come. We want it now, right? We want to see it here, and we want to see it now, and we want, to, we want the best 
now. We want the best job now. We want the best financial situation now. We want the best marriage now. We want the best home now. We want the best career now. The best has come. But we're talking about the best is yet to come. And if we're going to believe that the best has come, then we're going to have to stretch our minds. We have to stretch our thinking. And this requires faith. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Another perplexing verse. He says, we don't look at things that you can actually see. We want to spend time looking at things that you can't see. How odd. How do I look at things that aren't visible and not look at things that are visible? The answer is faith. Faith only focuses on what you can't see. That's all. If it can see it, it's not faith. If you're living it today, that's not faith. Faith is believing. Jesus said you're going to have to be people of faith because faith is what qualifies you to live the best. The best is yet to come. So faith is required to grab of what is yet to come and to bring it so that it has come. You can put it this way, he who believes the greater works. He who does not believe, you won't see greater. He who does not believe will only see what the current situation is. So there's only one option. Walk and live by faith. God is a God of faith. God doesn't live in what you have today. God is in and is moved by what you need to call into your life today. God is a God of faith. He says here, while we do not look, do not look. That does not mean ignore. The word look means focus. We do not focus on what is seen. Now look, you can focus on things that are good and you can focus on things that are bad. When a little bit of good starts to show up in our lives, you know what we do sometimes? We focus on it. You need to get your life, you need to live your life perpetually in a position, perpetually in a state of going after something that you don't have. Wouldn't that be greedy? No, that's being faithful. That's living by faith. See, here's the thing. Say you're believing God for a car. You've been believing God for this car. You've been standing in faith, and God gives you the car. Now, here's what we do. We focus on the car. And we may thank you, and we may praise him, and you should be. You should be thankful. But here's God. I've already moved on. I'm over here. Here's the next thing you need to believe me for, because he's a God of faith. He only lives and operates and moves by faith. So the second 
what you're believing for comes into the natural and you can see it, he's moved on to the next thing that you don't have yet. He's moved on to the next thing that hasn't shown up yet. He's, al- he's already in the future, man. Your, your future is in his past. It's already happened to him. That new job you're believing him for, it's already happened to him. It's already taken place. And so God is always moving us to be in a perpetual state, a perpetual position of believing him for something we do not have in the natural today. That's how God moves and operates. And so we do not look, we do not focus on the things which are seen, but we focus on the things that are not seen. If you get sick and you go to the doctor and the doctor gives you a bad report, you can focus on the thing that is seen, sickness, disease, the report that they give you, or you can focus on the thing that is not seen, healing, deliverance, health, wholeness. So I can focus. I'm not ignoring the fact of what the doctor said, but I'm choosing to put my focus and to put my uh, mentality and my thought process on what God's word says that isn't in the scene yet. I'm not physically possessing it yet, but I look at that. I don't look at, I don't focus on what things look like today. I'm focusing on what they're going to be like tomorrow. And God wants you to live in faith where he wants you to live and operate in things that are tomorrow as if they're today. So what does that mean? Well, that means I start praising him and thanking him for his healing, for his provision. Father, I thank you that I walk in healing today. I am whole. You sent your son by his stripes. I am healed. I have received healing into my body. I don't care how sick you feel. I don't care how, the, how bad the headache's going. I don't care what the doctor said. I don't care what their prognosis was. God's word is more real. Watch this. For the things which are seen are temporary. You know what that word temporary means? Subject to change. Anything that is temporary means at some point it can change. But watch this. The things which are not seen are eternal, permanent. See, the sickness that's in my body today, that's temporary. It's subject to change. It's got to go. It's got to one day be different than it is today. But the healing, which is not seen, that's eternal. That will never change. I'll always be healed. I'll always have healing available to me. There's nothing that can change that. It's unseen. By focusing on the things that are seen, you are living in the permanent, not in the temporary. You are now living in something that has assurance tied to it. You're now living in something that you can be confident in. Nobody likes to put confidence in something that is temporary i.e., the stock market. People that invest, they don't have 100% confidence in something. 
There is a risk involved. There is no risk with my God. He will come through every time. He said, if you believe and if you ask in my name, I will bring it. You will have what you say. If you ask, if you pray, not doubting in your heart, but believing that those things you say can come to pass, you will have them. We're talking about the best is yet to come. That means it's not here today. And the only way I'm going to grab a hold of it is by living by faith. Here's what faith does. Faith does not create something. Faith doesn't create healing. Faith doesn't create prosperity. Faith doesn't create a better marriage. Here's the key. Whatever you're believing for already exists. It's already available in another realm, in the unseen realm. When you're believing God for something, you're believing him for something he's already made available to you. So here's what faith does. Faith does not create something. It moves something. See, I don't have a healing problem. I have a faith problem. I don't have a prosperity problem. I've got a faith problem. I don't have a living the best today problem. The best is already out there. I have a faith problem in grabbing a hold of it and moving it to where I'm at today. We are movers for the kingdom of God. Our job by faith is to go and grab a hold of something in the unseen realm and drag it into the seen realm. The best is yet to come. I'm not living the best today, but I know it's out there in the unseen realm. And if by faith I can get out there and attach myself to it, grab a hold of it and bring it into the seen realm, I will live the best. Go over to Hebrews chapter 11. This is known as the faith chapter. The hall of faith, as it were known, goes through the list of men and women in the Old Testament that operated and lived by faith. You want your name on the hall of faith. You want your name on the hall of faith where men and women are listed that believed in stupid stuff. Believed in crazy stuff. Believed in stuff that didn't look possible in the natural realm. Abraham's in there. Sarah's in there. Moses is in there. People that were trained to perpetually live in what they could not see. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. You ever go to court or you ever 
see one of those shows on TV and somebody brings up evidence, right? What's the evidence? The proof that something exists. Your faith is proof that it's out there. Your faith is proof that it's in another realm. You might not see it today, but it's out there. It exists because I'm attaching my faith to it. It's the evidence. It's the foundation. When you live by faith, you become hopeful. People without faith, they don't have hope. Look at them. They're all out there. They live in doubt and unbelief. And there's no hope for anything better than what they're living today. They can't make the statement, the best is yet to come. Because without faith, hope has no foundation. The reason we can be hopeful about something is because we have faith to connect something to. The reason why I'm hopeful that the best is yet to come is because I believe by faith that the best is out there and we need to grab a hold of it. If I have no faith that the best is yet to come, if I think this is over, we're done, not going to make it, I'm never going to be healed, I'm never going to beat this sickness, I'm never going to have uh, uh, you know, finances, I'm never going to get the right marriage, I'm never going to have the right career or job for my life, the best is not available. Then there's no hope. Now you're living in hopelessness rather than faithfulness. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the foundation, the evidence of things not seen, the proof that what I'm believing for is out there. Verse 2, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Look at verse 3. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. The things which are seen actually came from the invisible. Everything we have today that we see was once invisible. Once you did not have it. You know the verse that says, God... He's taking your sins and he's cast them as far as the east is from the west. He remembers them no, no more. I already told you that God is a forward-thinking God. God moves on. God is always advancing. God doesn't sit and rest in something. He's always moving to the next thing. As soon as something shows up in the seen realm, he's on to the next thing that's not seen. But we remember them. I'm sure right now, I could give everybody a piece of paper and have you write down five moments or events in your life where God showed himself faithful, where things look like it couldn't come through. There's no way this is going to happen. There's no way of getting out of here, but God showed up in your life. And we could all write them down, right? We all remember them. 
Some things we don't want to remember. I don't want to remember the way I used to live. I don't want to remember the way I used to think. I don't want to remember the people I used to hang out with. I don't want to remember that past and that history. I want to move on. But we remember them. Let me tell you why you remember them. You remember those moments where God was faithful because every time you see how God brought you out of one thing and you remind yourself of that, remember those things, it lets you look forward and say, and he can do it again. The things he brought you out of in the past, the moments that he brought you out of all that garbage, all, out of all that junk, when you didn't think you could make it, that's looking back on his faithfulness, and that helps you look forward and say, he did it for me here, so he's going to do it for me here. He is faithful. The reason why you can remember your past is not so you can wallow in it, not so that you can wish you were back there again like the Israelites, not so that you can look back and say, I don't know what, I don't know how I got through that. There's no way I can do this. No, it's to look back and it's to say, because he did it back here, he can do it here. The Israelites would have done the right thing by saying, he brought us out of Pharaoh's hand. He brought us away from that slavery in, in Egypt. He brought us out of a land that wasn't ours. And now he's taking us to a land that he's already told us that we possess. And so he can bring water out of a rock. He can bring food in the middle of a wilderness. He can deliver us from enemies that are stronger and greater than us. And he can take us in a land that is possessed by giants that is greater than we are. But we will inhabit it because he is faithful. But they didn't do that. They wished that they were back there. The enemy took something that God had given them so that they could strive for greatness. And he allowed it to shut them down in the wilderness. And they died there. No faith. No advancing. No living by what is unseen. Only being moved by what is seen. And they died there. I don't know about you, but I don't want to die saying the best is yet to come. I want to reach the end of my time, reach the end of my road on this earth as God has purposed me and God has given me this life to live and be able to say the best came I saw everything that God wanted me to live by. I did everything that God wanted me to do. And I lived the best that God had for me. The best is yet to come. Look at verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. It's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he exists. Must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let me tell you what faith is. Faith is living like God's word is true. When you live by faith, you're living 
like God's word is the truth, that there is no option. There is no other way. He will come through. His word is strong enough. His word is powerful enough. And his word will cause me to possess everything that he's called for me to do. Faith is living like God's word is truth. I want to live a life that pleases God. Some people are satisfied with God loving them. I'm not satisfied with that. I'm not satisfied with punching a ticket. I'm not satisfied with being saved from hell and then living like hell on the earth. I have a life greater than that. I'm not satisfied with saying a prayer and then just looking forward to heaven one day. I want to live a life that he's pleased with. I love my son, and I'll always love my son. But there are times that he does, and there's times that he will displease me. But I want to live a life knowing that God loves me, and because he loves me, because he's given me his grace and his mercy, because he's done this for me, I can live different. I can live better. I can please Well, when we live in doubt and unbelief, that's not pleasing to our Father. It's not pleasing. It doesn't please Him when we don't believe for stuff that He's already told us is ours. Why do we say the best is yet to come? Because if I just live in where God has brought us today, I'm not living by faith. If I'm no longer reaching for things that I can't see and I don't possess today, then I'm not living by faith, and I'm not pleasing my Father. Now I want to please Him. He says, it is impossible, impossible to please God if we don't live by faith. And then He says, we have to live knowing that He is and knowing that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith is always going after God. Faith is always seeking after God. Faith is going after him because faith, proper faith, positions yourself that unless he comes through, unless he shows up, there's no other way this is going to happen. When you're stuck between the army and the sea. You're standing by faith. There's no other option. God has to come through. God has to show up. When you lost that job and you're thinking that was everything, how am I going to raise my family? How am I going to take care of my children? How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to live? You put yourself in a position of faith that pleases God. You know that he is and you diligently seek him and he will reward you because he is looking for people that will position themselves in faith. I know that there's something on this side, and I know that there's something on this side, but one way or the other, my God's going to show up. 
One way or the other, he's going to show himself faithful. One way or the other, he's going to show himself great. One day, he's going to show himself mighty in my life. And I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by how I feel. But I'm only moved by one thing, his word. Because I'm going to live like God's word is true. I'm not going to live like God is a liar. I'm going to live like God's word is true. You know it's okay to obligate God to his word. Did you know that? There's a man in the Bible named Joshua. And when things would come against him or come against the Israelites, Joshua is being the new leader that took over after Moses. He would say this a lot of times. God If you don't come through, you're the one that's going to get run through the mud, not us. They're not going to say, look at those weak Israelites. They're going to say, look at that weak God that they serve. When you live and operate by faith, you can put God on the line and say, God, you're going to have to show up or we're going down. Now, are you going to look great? Are you going to look mighty and strong or are you going to look weak? And you can obligate God to his word. And you can say, God, you said it in your word that this would happen. Now make it happen. You know, he's just looking for people that will just get in faith. He's just looking for people that will believe him for the impossible. He's just looking for people that will say, it says it in your word, so it has to happen. And then he can move. Then he can say, Thank you. You're in position. Now get in the get out of the way and let me do my work. Let me do what I said in my word I would do. I just needed you to be in faith. Because he said, he qualified it. See, if he would have just said, most assuredly I say to you, you will do greater works than I do. And there's no qualifier. That's just a big blanket statement. But he made a qualifier. Most assuredly I say to you, He who believes in me will do greater works. Believing has to happen. Living by faith and walking by faith has to happen. We will not see greater until we believe for greater. I want to start talking some things that aren't yet happening. I want to start looking at stuff that I can't purchase yet. I want to start living like something is already taking place, even though it's contrary to what the current situation says. I want to start believing God for some things by faith that aren't here yet, that don't look possible, because I know the best is yet to come. Chase, if you would come up, look at Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. There was a man with a young son that had an unclean spirit in him. And this man took him, took his son to his disciples. His disciples couldn't do anything. Disciples couldn't heal the boy. And what did Jesus say? He said, he who believes in me, 
will do greater works. So if the disciples weren't doing greater works, then what was the missing ingredient? Believing. Faith. So Jesus goes to the dad. And the dad says, if you can, if you can heal my son, please heal him. And Jesus says this statement. He said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. He flipped it around. Faith is not a question of God's ability. Faith is a question of what I believe. It's not about what he can do. Because he can do it. It's a question of, do I believe he can do it? The dad said, if you can, heal my son. He said, if I can. If you'll believe that I can. I can't do anything unless you believe. I can do anything for the one that believes. If you can believe, all things are possible. I don't know about you, but I want to live an all things are possible life. I want to believe God for things that don't seem possible. I want to start living in the impossible. I want to start bringing the impossible out of the unseen and make it possible in the seen. But that requires a life of faith. Look, I'm trying to stretch us because we're talking about the best is yet to come. But if we don't believe it's going to get any better than what we're living today, we'll never see it. we got to have somebody with some bold faith. We've got to have somebody that will dare to believe God at his word. we got to have someone that will look to heaven and say, God, you said we would do this. You said we could have this. You said that by his stripes I am healed. You said that I'm blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. You said that I have all the riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You said. And so I'm going to live like your word is true. I'm going to live like it has to come to pass. I'm going to live and I'm going to diligently seek you and go after you and believe in you. And you will reward me. Because you're just waiting for someone who will stand in a position of faith. Father, we thank you this morning. That we live and operate by faith. Faith in your word. You have given us a mission. You have given us a mandate. You've given us an assignment from heaven to bring the kingdom of heaven to the earth. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Father, today we develop our faith the pressures that come against us those things that are contrary we allow them to test our faith so that we can grow our faith so we can develop stronger faith so we can continue to live by faith 
Father, we look back on the promises that you've given us. We look back on your faithfulness that you've proven time and time again. You've proven us that you can do it. You've proven to us that you're available. You've proven to us that you are able to accomplish anything that your word says. So, Father, this morning, we take a position of faith. We stand in faith. We believe in faith that your word will come to pass. And we'll begin to move the impossible from the unseen realm and make it possible in the seen realm. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Do you believe the best?